I'm Glenn Robinson, and I've spent the last 30 years as a healthcare leader and overseeing large organizations. And before that, I was in the news business. And I'm Jacob Robinson, his son. I've spent the last five years building a business and learning lessons of leadership along the way. And this is our podcast, Chasing What Matters. On this podcast, we're going to interview leaders from all walks of life and hear their stories of successes and failures and what has made them become who they are today and how their faith and families played a role in their lives and leadership styles. During these interviews, we will be discussing things from business to politics, healthcare to nonprofit, and anything in between to find out how these leaders are chasing what matters in their work and personal life. So welcome to another episode of Chasing What Matters. Hello, everyone. We're so glad that you could join us for another episode of the Chasing What Matters podcast. I'm your co-host, Glenn Robinson. And I'm your other co-host, Jacob Robinson. Our guest today, Terrence Murphy. Uh, After a successful collegiate football career at Texas A&M, getting drafted in the second round by the Green Bay Packers and retiring from the NFL, real estate became Terrence's main focus and newfound passion. Terrence has personally brokered over a billion dollars with a B in sales volume over the past 10 years and has successfully started over 20 ventures and companies that he's currently running today. Terrence possesses, possesses the same traits that he portrayed on the football field, integrity, passion, hard work, dedication, loyalty, desire to succeed, and excellence, all of which help his businesses continue to grow and his clients to receive superior service. Terrence, it's an honor. Welcome to the show, man. I appreciate it, man. Excited to uh, be a part of the show. And just once again, seeing y'all's bond has really, really encouraged me today. So I'm excited to, to be a part of this and share this moment and the time that God has set forth. And let's see if we can encourage some people today. Absolutely. Let's do it. Well, man, let's uh, we'll start off with a softball here. Tell us where you're from uh, and what growing up was like. Yeah, so born and raised in East Texas, uh, east of Tyler, uh, out in the country, Chapel Hill. So County Road 25. Oh, yeah. And, we know that. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, just single mom raised us. I had uh, older brothers and one sister, seven older brothers and one sister. And just I was the baby. So they always said I got babied all the time. But <laughs> in reality, I was the one that had to deal with all of the backlash of the things that they did as older siblings. So by the time my mom got to me, it was a military house by that point. So uh, but yeah, she really taught me how to just be fearless to to be charismatic and to know God. And those are the three foundational tools that I've used in my whole life uh, to get where I'm at, man. And uh, without my mom and her teaching me and giving me those tools and giving me a relationship with the Lord, I wouldn't be here today. Now, do you still consider Tyler the big city? Uh, yeah, until I came to College Station. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, we, one of many our, our stops along the way, I, I, we lived in Palestine, we lived in Nacogdoches, so we're very familiar uh, with Chapel Hill area, but yeah, Tyler was the big, big city. Yeah, it was the big city. And then I got to college station. I was like, Oh, so this city's a little bit bigger, but you know, to most people, it's a small college town, but now we love it. We love being here. That's awesome. Well, such a nice shout out to your mom and, uh, and Hey, I have to agree with you. I'm the baby of the family too. And it's not the cakewalk that everybody thinks it is. Our daughter, Sarah Catherine would, uh, she would say the same. And so, uh, yeah, by that time, parents have already learned all the tricks. And <laughs> yeah. so, and so, and so they know, they know what to be looking for. Well, Terrence, tell us about the college years. And, uh, and also, uh, I, I know you're, you're just an humble guy and, and very modest, but also talk a little bit about some of the success that you had during college and out there on the gridiron as well. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, I think the biggest thing that a lot of people don't know about me is 
I was really involved in my church growing up. Um, my mom actually wanted me to be a pastor. That's what she always tell me. You're going to be a pastor one day. And so as I've grown older, I realized you can do just the same amount of ministry and not be in the pulpit. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I grew up, I was uh, one of the top rated trumpet players in the state. Not a lot of people know that. So I have an wow. artistic side. And my first couple of offers, one was to UNC, North Carolina, it was, which is a beautiful university. It was a full academic scholarship. So I actually, my first couple of opportunities were all academic scholarships. And then the football scholarship started coming in and came to Texas A&M was a two-star quarterback, uh, switched to wide receiver. Everybody was wondering why Coach Slocum signed this guy, but he saw something in me. And I looked Coach Slocum in his eyes and said, if you give me an opportunity, I will outwork everybody on the team and you, I won't let you down. Mm-hmm. And where I'm from in East Texas, all you have is your word. And I made that commitment to him and came to Texas A&M. You know, came here, slept on the guy's couch. I had maybe $500 in my name when I showed up. Everything that I owned was in my back of my trunk. And just was working out, and no one gave me a chance. And by the first camp when it started, I was on, like, the eighth team. I didn't even know you could have an eighth team. I was on the eighth team. (laughs) And I worked my way up freshman camp, the first team, and then I was like, man, I'm first team. And then I realized varsity wasn't there yet. So then when they showed up, I got moved back down. But I didn't the camp, worked my way up, had a really good career at Texas A&M. Two-time team captain, two-time first-team all-conference, three-time academic all-conference, all-American honorable mention, and the list goes on. So I left A&M with pretty much all of the receiver record books, graduated in three and a half years, and got drafted by the Green Bay Packers. Wow. Wow. Well, I'm going to have to do a quick rewind for you because my wife was in the band and she's going to want to know, were you one of those guys that uh, dressed out for the first half and then uh, 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 grabbed your horn and uh, marched with the band uh, at halftime and then came back out uh, to play the uh, third and fourth quarter? I did that in eighth and ninth grade. And um, I was the only freshman on varsity in my high school. And I ended up that next year, my sophomore year, I went and talked to my mom. I had it all written out on why I could not be in the band and be on the football team. And wow. she was not happy, but she finally let me. She was like, okay, I'm going to let you not be in the band and be on the football team. But, yeah, I did that for three years where you literally play the whole game, and then at halftime you'd be in a horn, you take your shoulder pads off. And I'm so glad I didn't have to do that the last couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, before we jump into the NFL, uh, off the top of your head, most memorable and fun game while you were at A&M? Uh, 2002 Oklahoma game. So it was the first time in the history of A&M football we beat the number one team in the nation. And I was playing in a golf tournament with Coach Slocum, and I said that to someone. They asked me that same question. And Coach Slocum corrected me. He said, actually, son, the first and only time. Well, that was like a year or two ago. Obviously, wow. we just beat Alabama last year, and I think it was on the same week. But, yeah, wow. yeah, the OU um, 2002 game, because at that time they were so-called the, the greatest defense that has ever played college football, the best team ever. They didn't give us a chance, and we went out, me and Reggie McNeil and Greg Porter, and we ran circles around those guys. I mean, Coach Sumlin was dialing it up, and I had two catches for two touchdowns. I think I had four catches for like 135 and two touchdowns, and it was just a great night. It was fun. So that would be my favorite game at, at Kyle Field. Wow. I love it. Wow. Well, Terrence, you've had just a magical career in football, and, and, and part of it has to do with – 
anyone, even if they're not an Aggie fan, they have to admit what happens at Kyle Field uh, in the fall is just something special. And that's also true with Lambeau Field and uh, Green Bay Packers. Uh, Tell us about getting drafted into that organization, how you felt about that, what your thoughts were, and and also probably some realistic thoughts of knowing you have to play in some pretty frigid weather up there. Yeah, it was awesome. You know, going into my senior year, my junior year, I could have came out early to the draft, but that was when Coach Fran came, and we went four and eight. And I remember just saying, I can't leave Texas A&M with a four and eight record. Now, selfishly, I could have left, made more, made more money, got paid, blah blah blah. But I was like, if I'm the team captain, I just I got to come back and I got to get us in a better track. So we came back that next year, my senior. Year, I decided to stay. We ended up going to the Cotton Bowl. We got our bus tore up in the Cotton Bowl, but the fact that we made a New Year's Bowl was a big deal. Um, but then getting drafted, you know, Aaron Rodgers was our first pick that year in the draft. Now he's a back-to-back MVP, highest-paid player in the league. He was my roommate, and um, wow. and I was the second pick. So it's been great to see his career keep blossoming. I'm so proud of him. But, yeah, it was fun. Brett Favre was my quarterback. I got to play. I was, I was set to have a Hall of Fame Pro Bowl career. You know, six games into my rookie year, I was already number two in the NFC. And then I had the neck injury uh, where, you know, God had a different plan for me. So just transitioned out of that and uh, moved back to College Station and got into real estate. Wow. Now, the real important question is, can you beat Aaron at golf? Yep. I actually, well, you know, I'd say, <laughs> so there's a there's a whole story behind that. I've never told this. I've never told this story um, publicly, but I'll tell it anyway. Come on. Um, so you can get the first snippet. And if he ever refused this anywhere, if this ever gets back to you, Aaron, you call me on my cell phone. You know it's true. But um, we're at the more shocking thing there would be Aaron was listening to this podcast. But uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that'd be cool though. Yeah, <laughs> that would yeah. be cool. That would be cool. You never Somebody know, we... man. You never know. People get right. stuff, share it, and whatever. You never That's know. right. I know. That's right. Somebody we know is going to share this with him. Hey, go so. ahead, Terrence. Tell this great story. And, and as they say at church, tell it all. Tell it all. I hope so. But either way, he. Um, He's this this great golfer. He loves golf. And this was like 2005 or six. He had been playing, obviously. The first time I ever picked up a club was in Green Bay because we were getting invited to all these celebrity golf tournaments. And I remember going out the first time, whiffing the ball, and I was like, all right, I got if, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to get better. And Aaron was laughing, and everybody's making fun of me, which is fine. Well, I ended up that offseason getting a set of clubs, and I just went out and started swinging. No lessons and just kind of taught myself how to play. I would go hit every day, five days a week. So fast forward a year later, Donald Driver has a golf tournament in Sugarland in Mo City. And Aaron's there showing out, talking noise like he always does, the auto vibrato. <laughs> and he walks up with a driver in front of everybody and is like, all right, just so everybody knows, I'm 10 times better than Terrence Murphy in golf. And he hits the driver. He's like, he would never be able to outdrive me. And the crowd laughs, and everybody's behind Aaron. And I was like, okay, all right, give me my three-wood. I don't even need a driver. I pulled out a three-wood, and I smacked it like <laughs> a good 50, 70 yards past him. And then that day on hole 18 in front of everybody, because when you finished, they had all of the Green Bay fans, I eagled on hole 18 on a, yes. on a, on a par five. I eagled yes. out. Like me, personally, no one, no um, – what is it uh, when you play on the same when you're Mulligan like, or oh. scramble? No teammate. Yeah, no scramble. No, yeah. I literally off the tee into the hole, eagle on the eagle five. So it was just, <laughs> it was a fun it was a fun day, and and he was just pissed, but it was fun. 
<laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh man, that's good. Well, uh, we appreciate you sharing that uh, breaking news uh, here on go. Chasing What Matters. I can't repeat. That. That's right. That's right. I uh, side note. I uh, a buddy of mine tells this great story. Uh, he's a really good golfer at a, at a uh, high end country club up in Dallas, and there is member guest tournament, and his brother was going to play with him. His brother's not that great at golf. Hole one, everybody's there. Clubhouse and uh, you know the balconies overlooking, watching, and uh, he gets up there. His tee shot, great tee shot. Brother gets up there, swings, whiffs, completely misses the ball. Steps back, looks at everybody in the crowd, and goes, "Wow, this really is a hard course." <laughs> <laughs> so, like, that's that's great. That's that's what you do when you whip the ball right there. Um, so, well, uh, before we jump into business, I, I want to circle back on the NFL real quick. If you had to just pluck out some life lessons that you learned while you were there, uh, rookie season, season, what what would you say were some of those life lessons that you took from the NFL that then translated or transferred over to your business career? Yeah, one of them, um, you know, was the fact that if you just set your mind to something and just I call it the one brick mentality, instead of trying to take it down in like one day or one week or one year, just falling in love with the with the process and knowing that if you just fall in love with the process and keep going, it'll happen. So I've been telling everybody since I was five years old, I was going to make it to the NFL. And anybody that heard me say it looked at me like I was crazy. I thought it was impossible. So just achieving that in 2005, getting drafted in the first two rounds was just truly a, a great experience. And then when you get to the NFL, I watched how they ran that organization. Green, the Green Bay Packers run a very professional organization. It's a billion-dollar company. So I wasn't just there catching touchdowns. I was watching the way they ran the organization. And a lot of the ways that I run my companies is based on that experience. And so those would probably be the two things that I would kind of pull from that is just never let somebody tell you what you can or can't do. If God puts it in your heart, just keep pursuing it and just know that sometimes it's not going to happen overnight. It took me 22 years to get drafted, you know? And so, uh, and then when you have these opportunities to be a part of uh, great organizations or be around great people, pull wisdom from that and use it in the future. Love that. That's great. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Great advice. Terrence, just for our listeners, uh, would you take us behind the scenes at, uh, at, within the Green Bay Packers organization and playing at Lambeau and, and the fans that are just so loyal and, 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 uh, what perhaps do our listeners not know about Green Bay and just some of the fascinating things surrounding that franchise? Yeah. I think, I don't think people really understand it's the only team in the NFL that doesn't have an owner. You know, it doesn't have a, and some people look at that as a bad thing. Some people look at it as a positive thing, but you know, it's like, it's almost like a publicly traded company. You can buy shares. So a couple of things people don't know is there's a tradition in, in Wisconsin that when you have a kid, immediately you take them down the Lambeau field and you put them on the list. Cause it's a 30 year waiting list to get tickets. Literally it's like no exaggeration. So by the time they're probably 30 and married, they may be able to get season tickets. So that's a tradition that you take your newborn down to Lambeau Field and put them on a waiting list. Um, and then the other one is that the Packers Stadium is in the middle of a neighborhood. I don't think people really understand that either. Because hmm. in most places, it's in, it's in a city, it's in an urban area or whatever, the city. Like, it's literally in the middle of a neighborhood. So one of the traditions is during camp is all the kids in the neighborhood ride their bikes to camp. They can literally just ride right to camp because it's in their neighborhood. 
And the NFL guys, the Green Bay Packers, we ride their bikes from the stadium to the practice field. And it's always a tradition. Oh, that's awesome. Yep. Now, do you happen to own any stock? You know what? I don't think I do. I need to. I need to do. I need to do better. I own stock in a lot of other companies. I probably should own stock in the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love it, and 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 we don't want to take you into uh, you know too much of a private place, but but just share with our listeners uh, what was going through your mind at that tragic injury, and were you thinking any other Plan B at that particular point for your life? No, man, I just truly, truly, truly just say, God, if it's your will, let it be done. And as much as people may say, oh, that's cliche, that's truly. When I was laying on that field and they told me to move my hands and arms and I couldn't, I could. all I could do is just sit back. And I remember Coach Sherman was my coach at the time. He was obviously probably standing over me. I don't remember. It was a lot going on. But he said he's never seen a young man handle a neck injury the way I did with the courage that I handled it. I didn't freak out. I didn't panic. I just truly said, God, let your will be done. And so he had a plan for me and uh, he brought me back to College Station, brought me back to to Aggieland. And I married my bride. She was a a UT grad, a young student at the time. We were like a year or two apart. We got married. I talked to her into moving to College Station. And we've been back now almost 14, 15 years selling real estate, developing uh, neighborhoods and doing the whole the whole gamut here. And now we're expanding all over the nation with our TM5 brand, and uh, it's been really special. But I, but from what I pull from that experience is that, uh, you know, Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, that he will never leave you nor forsake you. That's good. Amen. Well, I know in your bio, but my guess is uh, <clears throat> you strike me as a guy where uh, if you sent me the bio yesterday, it's already out of date. Uh, <laughs> it says that you're a part of 20 ventures. Is it still 20? Is it more? Is it less? How many? How many do we have now? Yeah, so we have 20 ventures under our Terrence Murphy Companies brand. Okay. The main one that everybody knows is TM5 because that was our independent brokerage that we scaled and started and scaled to 1.1 billion in sales in eight years. Now we're expanding TM5 into all 50 states and in 25 countries. So in the next five years, we'll have 10,000 agents, a part of our our, our company. Um, but yeah, 20 companies under the Terrence Murphy Companies brand, and then we have 30 other companies we're investing in, so about 50, 50 businesses. Love it. Love it. Well, that's, uh, that's, that's amazing. Right. And, and if if you're talking to, um, you know, I've been fortunate to be a part of a a few startups, uh, and and I always love hearing, I was talking to somebody about it this morning, uh, just the, the grind that is the startup, right. Starting the process, everybody thinks it just pops up overnight and you're good to go. Uh, and walk us through some of those startup lessons that you learn. If you're talking to somebody out there right now, that's either right in the throes of, of building their business or thinking about uh, taking that leap of faith. What are some of those lessons that you look back on and go, man, I would definitely do that again, or I would never do that again. Uh, what, what are those that come to mind? Yeah, I would say um, a lot of people start thinking about credit. They start thinking about raising capital. Um, we bootstrapped all our businesses. I wouldn't have it any other way. What I will say is really getting a operating system up front to where you can understand where your strengths and weaknesses are. So really like doing a disc profile, you know, cause you see these people that are all high D they're not steady at all. They're not complying. So their S and their C is not good at all, but they're holding on to the paperwork or, you know, cause you think, Oh, I'm the business owner. I got to do everything. Right. And so I would say learning leverage, really bootstrapping and not rushing out to get a bunch of debt and a bunch of office space. 
and just taking your time and building it one brick, one brick at a time. That's what I just go back to the one brick mentality. Because if you do that the right way, just like any foundation, then it's going to be solid and you can always scale on top of it. Love it. Love that. Now, Terrence, all of the enterprises that are up under the TM5 brand, uh, are they all real estate or is there some diversification there? Yeah, mainly mainly they're all real estate centric. Um, we have some other startups that are prop tech, fintech, um, construction tech, but they all kind of play in the real estate, finance, technology realm. So that's kind of our our strengths ourselves. So a lot of our businesses, like we have Murphy Signature Homes, where we build these modern contemporary houses and do neighborhoods. Uh, we're working on a really cool house now. I'm excited. It's 10,000 square feet, three-story house in traditions, wow. and it's a modern masterpiece. When we're done with that project, it will literally put us on the map in the whole United States. Wow. It's that wow. special. So that we got some really cool projects like that that we're doing, and a lot of those houses I've designed myself. So really enjoy doing that. Well, Terrence, we've just got to know, how did you get into real estate? How did, how did that happen? And, and did you see it coming, uh, especially in the scale in which you now enjoy? You know, I really didn't. I, I'll tell you my biggest prayer. I, like a lot of times people ask me that question and they want me to give them this like really inspiring response, but I have to just be, you know, real at all times. And I truly just prayed to God in the middle of being depressed you know, I had an I had neck surgery, so I had four screws in my neck, two synthetic plates. I had to do physical therapy. Obviously, my mental was not great. I was a baby. Looking back, I was 22 years old. I got paralyzed and I lost my life's dream all in one night. And so just trying to rebuild myself. And the thing that I could lean on most was my relationship with God, because as much as people want to be there, they can't be there all the time. So as I was in that season of depression, deep, deep depression, so mental health is something that I'm passionate about now, helping other people because we don't talk about it enough. Um, but at, in that, I just pray to God, give me something that I can be passionate about. doesn't matter what it is. I, I'll go back and get my MBA. Uh, I'll go get a PhD. I'll go coach or whatever. I just said, God, give me a passion. And when he showed me real estate in the middle of the downturn, like 2006, seven, eight, I was I read this one book, uh, Robert Kiyosaki, who took my money. And that book changed my life. Wow. Wow. You know, Terrence, I, I really love your transparent response to that because so often in the life of a believer, we don't see the end game. Uh, often we're only shown that next step on the path or that, that, that next stepping stone across the Creek. Uh, we're not, we're not shown the other side uh, so often and we just have to follow in faith. And I think that's where our faith really comes in. For sure. I always say, you know, if he lines out all the breadcrumbs on the path then there's no faith needed. That's right. All right. If we know the end result, or if we know, or if you do this, then this happens, then why, where would faith come in? But I, I've learned that God uses business for, in my life. He uses different tools for each and every one of us to not only make an impact on others, but to test our faith. And, you know, that's where I started the Terrence Murphy camp. I was trying to come up with this creative name. And then I just said, you know what, just Terrence Murphy camp, football, finance and faith. And it's where we pour in the underprivileged kids in the community. We did it in East Texas last year. This year we did it at uh, Brazos Christian School here in Bryan. 550 kids sign up in two weeks. And we just got the love on these babies and, and, and teach them that football was the, was the bait. 
But when we got him there, we were talking to them about financial literacy, which our schools aren't talking about. And then we talked to them about Jesus. And we literally had between, I think, 40 to 50 kids, between 30 to 50 kids, step out of the aisle. These big football players that are so aggressive, step out of the aisle, walk to the front and say, I want to know Jesus. And it was um, it was a special it was a special day. So it was cool. It was cool. Well, it's man, it's it's uh, <clears throat> gives me chill bumps. Uh, I I highly encourage uh, to listen to somebody that says, yeah, I, I do business I, and I do business really well, and I'm and I'm I'm good with that. But also, I'm going to use business to tell everybody about the gospel, uh, right? And and I think a lot of times we use it as an as an excuse of, ah, well, I'm not a minister. That's that's you know that's their job. Uh, and and I I would say that uh, if if ministers uh, would really uh, be honest, they'd probably throw it back and on and goes, you're you're in the, the streets every day, uh, you know, the marketplace every day, talking to people, I I'm supposed to equip you to go, uh, you know, uh, tell others about Jesus. And so, uh, highly encouraged, uh, to hear you say that and, and to also just see, just to see the, the, the results and to see you doing the hard things, um, uh, day in, day out and, and, and showing others Jesus. And so we greatly, greatly appreciate that. I, I do want to throw it back if in, in, um, you talked about what uh, you know, brick by brick is is kind of those startup lessons. I, I do want you, if, if if because I'm sure people come to you all the time and say, hey, I, th- I think I want to start a company. Should I start a company? And yeah. and I, there's an element, and and I, I I believe there's this sometimes facade in our country of like, oh, I'm going to go be an entrepreneur, which means I'm going to be a millionaire overnight. And <laughs> and and if you talk to an entrepreneur, they they that's why that that right there they laugh right because because. <laughs> Because you get it and you go, no, I spend most of the time being broke uh, half the time and I'm, you know, trying to pay off this credit card and that credit card. Um, what would you, what, what barometer do you use when you're talking to individuals, young, old, wherever they may be in their life of going, hey, listen, you, you can do this or, or, hey, listen, uh, that might not be for you, right? And, and a lot of times I think people just need the freedom to say, hey, listen, it's okay that it's not you, right? Like mm-hmm. th- that's okay. I think people look and go, oh, I want that. And they're going, hey, no, God equipped you to do what, what, you need to do like you just need to be you how, how do you encourage those individuals that that are wrestling through this idea of i want to start a business what are some of those things that you look for and you encourage them to look for as they're debating and deliberating on that yeah i give them a couple of things we um you know i get a lot of social media messages now i just got i got back on social media i got off and um but i get i, I get a lot of messages and i try to encourage them and you, you hit it on the head. I said, be you because everybody else is already taken. And that just gives them a thought process of, wow, you can't be this person. You can't be that person. You can't be Terrence. You can't be that. Just be you. Everybody else is already taken. And when it comes to entrepreneurship, I tell them that it'll be probably one of the hardest fights of your life because business is warfare. And if you really understand that, if you had never been pushed in your life, if you've never been tested, through some type of experience, then I, so I try to ask them about these life experiences. Like, Hey, you know, where have you been tested? Where have you been pushed? Where have you been challenged? Oh, I went to the military or, you know, I did two degrees at once and worked three jobs. Like those are the kind of things I want to hear somewhere in your story to say, Hey, we can build on that. But if it's, well, you know, I've always just done this and I'm not sure I'm really passionate because if I don't hear that passion, that's what's going to push you is that big why. Like, what are you really doing this for? Because entrepreneurship is no joke. And if you don't have that passion, it's going to hold you steady and hold you steadfast. You will you will go do something else and you will waste a lot of time. 
I love that. I love that. I always tell people I'm convinced and um, I'm not sure if it's completely truth yet, but I'm at least convincing myself that, uh, you know, entrepreneurship is a daily, hourly, sometimes uh, of of emotional swings, right? Highs and lows and highs and lows. Uh, it The winner is the person that can keep it the most level. Uh, yeah. No, no high is too high. No low is too low. Uh, and who can be the steady Eddie uh, is going to win. Uh, sure. And so it's at least what I keep telling myself. <laughs> but uh, entrepreneurship reminds me a lot of sports. You know, it was a lot. I mean, think about just Texas alone. How many kids want to play football? Like there are some kids who should not put a helmet on, but they just want to do it because that's what we think we're all supposed to do. And look at how many kids who just want to get to Texas A&M or Texas or whatever. But it's not for everybody. And it's a it's very competitive. And there's a lot. The market is full of athletes and year over year. They're pumping them out. And so what sets you apart? What's your passion? What's your strengths, your weaknesses? And then what's your USP? What's your unique selling proposition? Because I believe with any business, if you're solving a problem more efficiently and more profitably than the next person, you always have a place in entrepreneurship. Yep. I love that. I love that. Well, uh, final question here before we dive into our uh, rapid fire questions where we just pick your brain a little bit more. What are you? I know you alluded to a little bit ago, but, but maybe it's the same answer. Maybe it's something else. But what are you excited about for the future of TM5? Man, what I'm excited about is where we're expanding. We're, you know, we're expanding in to all 50 states and in 25 countries. And we're looking for real estate professionals that are hungry and ready to, to be an entrepreneur. Because a lot of times real estate agents, there's, the, there's statistics out there that real estate agents are struggling. But they post on social media and TikTok like they got it all figured out. But in reality, they're just exhausted and tired. And so what I'm building right now is my next level of ministry, which is to help real estate agents transition, create multiple income streams, have an exit strategy because realtors are 1099. They don't have 401ks. They don't have insurance. They don't have salary. They don't even know how to set up a business, but they're showing houses and they just think that's what's going to get them the financial freedom. And it's just not going to happen. And so I'm that person that's telling them, you got to pivot what you're doing or you're going to be selling real estate. So you're in your late 70s or 80s because, you know, I always say, what real estate agents retirement party have you guys been to in the last two months? They don't retire. They don't. They just keep selling real estate and they don't know what else to do. So I'm trying to help create a systematic approach. And that's where I started the Real Estate Entrepreneur Podcast. And now I have the Real Estate Entrepreneur Coaching, helping real estate agents invest in real estate, buy businesses, create um, a state and entities that help tax planning because no one's helping them. And that's my next ministry that I'm focused on. Love that. Wow. Love that. Words of wisdom, great insight for someone that is already in the trade and uh, who has a proven success record, but also sees uh, great opportunities for many people to up their game and improve it. And uh, Terrence, thank you so much for sharing that. One of the things we like to do before we let you go is for our listeners to get a chance to get to know you better. And that's through our rapid fire questions. And Jacob has the first one. All right, here we go. Best and worst advice you've ever been given. Best advice, I'd say, um, is stay true to your core values as an entrepreneur. Worst advice is that you can do real estate on the weekends. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Uh, Another pearl. Another pearl. It's a full-time gig, man. It's not a weekend gig. I like it. I like it. Um, Well, Terrence, who are the most influential people in your life? 
Yeah, I'd say my, my mom starts with my mom. She was the foundation. She's went on to be, be, with, be with Jesus in 18, 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's my legacy. I'm, I'm, I'm her legacy. And so she's my, she influences me in, in, every day. And then I'd say Coach Slocum was a big influence in my life. He was a major father figure and somebody who said, hey, I'm going to give you an opportunity, son. And that's all I ever wanted in life is to get an opportunity because after that, it's on me. Um, and then the last would be, I'd say, um, my wife and my kids. You know, I'm inspired by them every day. My three little babies are just special, obviously, to me. But God has given them some very uh, amazing spiritual gifts. And I'm just trying to make sure I point my arrows in the right direction. So, yeah, that would that be my inspiration. Love that. Love That's it. Good. Great answers. That's good. Uh, this next question, kind of like I was uh, referencing about your bio, uh, the answer might be 30 minutes ago. But uh, when was the last time you took a risk and how did it work out? Um, I just took a risk, yeah, uh, yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it seemed, it's, I, I think it's going to do really well. It's real estate. But uh, I, it's funny you asked me that question. Me and my wife talked about that last night. Some of the best things we've done is stepped out in faith in a, in a real estate opportunity that we purchased and when we've been really blessed love it love it mm-hmm. well best of luck with it yeah for sure mm-hmm. terrence best or most meaningful place that you've ever visited most meaningful place i'd say three places um one park city utah it's just it's it's you can't put words around just seeing god's magnificent just how he designs and just it's crazy it's just a beautiful place it's a the air is clear. It's just a beautiful place. Hawaii uh, would be uh, the next one. So between Hawaii and Park City, those are our two favorite places to go. Love it. Love it. Love it. Um, best and worst job you've ever had? <laughs> so my worst job is I worked at Dairy Queen at 16. <laughs> <laughs> I worked at Dairy Queen as my... So I was an entrepreneur at 12, but that was my first W-2 job. I had my first business at 12 years old, but uh, yeah, that was my worst job. And then my best job, I'd say uh, today where I'm at, man, just uh, being the CEO of Terrence Murphy Companies, being able to design and create vision and make an impact on people. At this point, we have about 400 to 500 people to work for us directly or indirectly. And so I have a lot of families that I'm responsible for, but I just, I get to try to just lead these people and be real. Love it. Well, Terrence, I've got to know, back at Dairy Queen, did they trust you enough to take that ice-cold ice cream, turn it upside down into hot liquid chocolate syrup, and uh, create that double-dip cone? I was actually the ice cream Sunday specialist, man. When every time there was ice cream, anytime there was uh, any Sunday, they are like, T, we need you to make the Sunday because I was so attention to detail. The pecans were perfect, everything. But I knew, I knew that when I was sweeping that floor in that bathroom, this was not long-term for me. But uh, you got have, have you relinquished perfection and control as your kids probably attempt to make ice cream sundays? That's a balance, you know. My <laughs> middle child, you know, <laughs> my middle child Tatiana is like a, a, she's a female version of me. So she, we call her boss lady, but she's pretty much the one that keeps everybody in line. So she, I can step back now. She's like there she keeps go. everybody in line on what needs to be done. That's good. That's good. I love it, Terrence. What book are you reading right now? I'm glad you asked. Um, so I wasn't a big reader growing up, but I, I, I'm up to almost 600 books in my library. I try to read one book a week, but Untethered Soul, if you guys have not read that book, 
Anybody listening to this podcast, I'm telling you that book will change your life. It is a special, special book. So it's in my top three books of all time, Untethered Soul. It's a great book. Well, let's round it out. Give me, give me the other, uh, the other two books. Uh, first one is Robert Kiyosaki, Who Took My Money, and then the other one is Why the Rich Get Richer. Love it. Do you put no. Do you put uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad in the top of of some of his books? Yeah, that's yeah. That Who Took My Money is a Rich Dad Poor Dad book. That's uh, okay. Kiyosaki's book, Got and it. then uh, the other one would be Atomic Habits. It's a great book. Mm. That's great. I've got that yeah, in my queue to listen to right now. Yeah, in fact, Atomic. Atomic habit sitting right there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I'll tell you, uh, it, it's obvious uh, just hearing your testimony through this podcast that uh, that rich dad, poor dad uh, of you giving back, going back and putting on a football camp in East Texas, um, pouring into the lives of, of, of young people. And, and you'll never know the full impact of all of that. So I say, well, well done. What's next for Terrence Murphy? Yeah. So I'd say what's next is. Just rearing up my arrows, you know, it says, you know, in scripture, it says a man who has a quiver full is a blessed, is a blessed man. He's like a warrior with arrows. And so my three arrows is uh, Taryn, Tatiana and Terrence Jr. And uh, those babies are special. And I'm just really focused on them. I took a six month sabbatical. I just came off a six month sabbatical in seven in 18 years or 17 years of being retired. I've just been working and grinding. But I took off for six months and I just sat at the ranch with my kids and spent time with them. And, you know, we're out feeding the cows and doing the hay and on the tractor and just slowing it down. But I'm back in the office now. Uh, but that's that's what I'm focused on, that legacy. And then my, my other legacy is just teaching other people about financial literacy. I think our world needs to hear more about how to manage your personal finances. Love it. Man, that's amazing. Well, Terrence, uh, thank you so much uh, for being here today. We know you're super busy uh, and that you took time to sit down with us. It's truly an honor. Thank you for uh, telling us your story and being so vulnerable and encouraging today. We greatly appreciate it, man. Appreciate you guys, man. If I can help you with anything, obviously here in Aggieland at this point, if it's in Aggieland and this business is probably going to pass through my desk. So if you guys need anything real estate wise or business wise, just give me a shout I love it. Well, to all our listeners, uh, we're going to have the links to Terrence TM5 Properties in the show notes below, as always. So please check those out. Look him up if you're in the Bryan College Station area or uh, soon to be around the world. Uh, and as always, thanks for listening. Our guest today, Terrence Murphy of TM5 Properties. Thanks so much, Terrence, for being with us. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in today. Hey, make sure you subscribe, share our podcast with others, and please follow us along on our Instagram account. And until next time, keep chasing what matters. (laughs) 